0: again everybody welcome to episode 50 of the tigers baseball podcast i'm your host chris schulte and we've got a lot to talk about today so let's just dive right into it um so detroit finished the regular season 77 and 85 that was three games better than what i thought they would um I honestly, I initially thought 74 and 88, and then I upgraded my my prediction to 76 and 86 um, a couple weeks ago because I figured they'd lose 2 out of 3 to Kansas City, which they did. I figured they'd lose 2 out of 3 to Chicago, which they did. And I figured they'd lose 2 out of 3 to Minnesota, which they did. They also lost the makeup game to Minnesota. Um, I actually figured they'd lose 4 out of 6 to to Chicago. They fooled me by... by uh, Winning two out of three in the first uh, in that first three-game series, a series which ended up featuring fireworks that we weren't expecting on Monday. So let's go ahead and talk about that. Um, Detroit comes back from a six-to-one deficit, and they scored five runs in the in the bottom of the eighth. And they end up losing the game eight to seven. But in the top of the ninth, Alex Lang is pitching for Detroit uh, against Jose Abreu, and he's got he's up zero and two on Jose Abreu, and he hits him in the right elbow. Sorry, in the left elbow. Jose Abreu has some words for Alex Lang as he's going down to first base. Alex is kind of like, "What did I do? Whatever, you know, big deal." And then the very next pitch, he throws a ball in the dirt to Yasmari Grandal. Abreu takes off for second, slides into second, gets thrown out. But as he's sliding into second, he comes in spikes high and over the bag. Instead of actually trying to slide into the bag, he comes in over the bag and tries to take out Nico Goodrum. Nico Goodrum takes offense to it. And the bench is clear. No no punches are thrown. Just a bunch of words uh, exchanged. People tell, talking to other people about their moms. Um, some of them talking about dinner reservations when they get to Chicago on Friday. You know, just, just your random baseball uh, bench clearing incident. And here's where I have issue. I don't have issue with... Tony Larusa being upset about Jose Abreu getting hit for the second time or for the twenty-first time in the year. Okay, I get that. He's your guy. He's he's finished second in the RBI race. He's hit thirty homers. He's got a hundred and fifty a hundred and sorry, a hundred and eighteen runs batted in for the year. He's your guy. He's your starting first baseman. He's the all-star on this team. He's the leader on this team. He's been around the longest on this team. He's the longest tenured White Sox um, player on this team. So I I understand the concept. I understand you got to defend your guy. He's been hit 21 times. But his comments, I felt, were a little bit unnecessary. And here's what he said. And I quote, it's, it's, it's not okay for somebody else to play aggressively against them, but it's okay for them to pitch aggressively and beyond the limit. It goes both ways. The game is played both ways. Uh, First and foremost, your guy's hanging out over the plate. That's why he's been hit 21 times. Secondly, if he's going to get hit, if he's going to lean out over the plate like that, wear some padding. Get an elbow guard. Get a shin guard. Get a little bit more padding in your helmet. Whatever you've got to do. Put on a sleeve, a, 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 a neoprene sleeve with some padding in it over your arm so that it doesn't get so you don't get your hand broken wear padded batting gloves whatever you have to do to protect yourself if you're gonna lean out over the plate you're gonna get hit because guys are gonna come inside thirdly when did tony larusa become a girl when did Tony Larusa sit there and go oh well we can't play aggressively against them but they can play aggressively against us they can pitch beyond the limit against us it's against the rules to pitch inside it's against the rules to slide over the bag like Abreu did since 2015 since Chase Utley and Ruben Tejada ask Ruben Tejada how good his career went after Chase Utley took him out in, in the National League Division Series between the Mets and the Dodgers in 2015 find him And ask him, Tony. Because I know he'll give you an answer. (laughs) I know Mets fans will give you an answer. His career sucked after that. He never fully recovered from the broken leg that he got from Chase Utley in 2015. That's why the rulebook has changed. And it specifically says that if you go in with your spikes high, it is an illegal slide. You can't take guys out the way you used to. It's nothing. There's nothing wrong with taking the guy out. Like being old school. Hey, look, I'm all for old school baseball. I'm all for a guy pitches inside and hits your guy. You come inside and you drill the next. The, the you drill one of their batters. Guy takes you deep and 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 watches it go and and showboats a little bit around the bases. Next time he comes up, he's wearing it. Throws coming in from the outfield, runner coming home, that catcher should block the plate. He can't. Just like opposing runners can't slide into bases the way they used to because somebody got hurt. Buster Posey got hurt for the San Francisco Giants, missed almost a whole season because he blocked the plate legally. He blocked the plate properly and an opposing, t- uh, an opposing player slid into him and broke his leg, took him out for the rest of the year. Buster Posey hasn't been the same since. Major League Baseball saw that. Oh, we can't have that happen to one of our star players. Let's change the rules. Now you can't block the plate until you get the baseball. It's the same way with sliding into second base. They had two incidences, one in twenty eleven and one in twenty fifteen, where players got hurt. The Mets would argue that in in, in their case, the fact that Tejada got hurt could have cost them the possibility of going to the or the Mets would argue that it that it 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 could have cost them the possibility to go to the World Series. They went in twenty fifteen and it was fine. But they were down a man. They were down one of their starters. And as a result, they had to call somebody up onto the roster that wasn't hadn't been playing for a while, and fix things. So baseball changed the rules, as baseball is wont to do, and as baseball is allowed to do. Tony Larusa was too busy drinking in the in the Arizona Diamondbacks front office to 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 notice that. I think. I I really feel like, like maybe he was just a bit out of touch there. Pitching it aggressively and beyond the limit. My eye for Nico Goodrum's part. Look, I can understand him getting upset. He's not even got an offer for the end of the, he's, he's, his contract is done after this season. He's no longer a Detroit Tiger after this season. He goes to arbitration, and if they choose to tender him an offer, they will to avoid arbitration, but he's on a one-year deal. Jose Abreu is a multimillionaire. Nico Goodrum makes $675,000 a year. He's got a new baby. He's got a wife. He's had an uncertain, he's had an up-and-down season, not a very good season. He's been injured a lot this season. He doesn't know what his future is going to be. And for Jose Abreu to come sliding in and trying to take him out, could have possibly broken his leg? Yeah, I could see where he's upset. I could totally see where he's upset. It's all right, though. Chicago won the division. They're going to play Houston. They're going to get swept out of the playoffs in the first round, and I'll be happy. Detroit loses that game eight to seven, so they had come back but didn't complete the comeback. They lost two out of three to to Kansas City last week, and those were those were run one run games. The two games they lost to Minnesota earlier this week were one run games as well, where they started to really get things going in the top of the ninth inning, but they just came up just a tiny bit short. Uh, game three against Minnesota on Thursday, the final game in in, in Minnesota this year. Uh, Detroit won it ten to seven. They were down seven to two at one point, came back and took the lead, and, and held on for the win. Um, Nico Goodrum actually hit two homers in that game, so he must have been fired up to get before going into Chicago. Um, and Michael Fulmer got the save. It says a lot about the Tigers that they're coming back it says a lot about the Tigers that they can be down seven to two, eight to two and come back and, and make the game interesting because they got into Chicago's bullpen on Monday and they got into Minnesota's bullpen on Tuesday and Wednesday. And on Thursday, when Minnesota needed their bullpen, it was, it was worn out because they'd pitched two days before. And those were stressful pressure, pressure packed innings that they were pitching in as well. So, good on them for 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 getting into the pen and for making a game of it Friday's game not so much Friday they go out and lose to Chicago eight to one yesterday they were up four to nothing sorry three to nothing no they actually did go up four to nothing and uh ended up losing five to four courtesy of a two-run johan moncada homer in the bottom of the eighth inning off of kyle funkhauser kyle funkhauser only allowed six home runs in over 70 innings this year sadly his last one that he allowed was a game winner today they won it five to two didn't see funkhauser but we did see joe uh jimenez not sure if we'll see him again next year we saw michael fulmer um he pitched the bottom of the ninth and, or yeah, he pitched the bottom of the ninth and pitched quite well. Um. Didn't see Alex Lang. Tyler Alexander went six, and did really well. Struck out seven in six innings. Uh, gave up a walk to Zach Collins, but uh, really he he didn't pitch badly at all. He pitched quite well. Matt Manning pitched well yesterday as well. Matt Manning went six innings yesterday. That was the bullpen that cost him the game yesterday. Because Manning pitched quite well yesterday. Um, now I want to get into a few things off the field. We're going into the offseason. And I want to look at at what... First of all, I want to make a case for A.J. Hinch as manager of the year in the American League. He's not going to win it, okay? Alex Cora will probably win it for the Red Sox based on the season they had last year and the season they've had this year, getting into the wild card round of the playoffs. If he doesn't win it, Scott Service will win it for the Seattle Mariners, the, the team that uh, finished with um, 89 wins this year. Uh, And nobody expected them to play that well. Uh, They were 89 and. um, Well, they would have been. 89 and 73. So 16 games over 500. But let's think about what Detroit had in 2019 and 2020 and what they did with what they had in 2021. So in 2019, they lost 40, they won 47 games, lost 114. Their starting rotation in 2019 was Matthew, on opening day now, was Matthew Boyd, Spencer Turnbull, Jordan Zimmerman, Matt Moore, and Tyson Ross. Starting rotation in 2020, Matthew Boyd, Spencer Turnbull, Yvonne Nova, Jordan Zimmerman. And then it was kind of a toss-up between Michael Fulmer, Daniel Norris, and Tyler Alexander. Basically what happened is Daniel Norris would make a couple spot starts. Michael Fulmer was pitching three inning starts every, every, uh, every game last year when he pitched. And then either Daniel Norris or Tyler Alexander would piggyback off of that course Zimmerman and Nova both get hurt and uh, um, Casey Mize and Ter- uh, Tarek Skubal come up to finish off the year last year let's go back to 2018 shall we the starting rotation on opening day in 2018 Michael Fulmer Matthew Boyd Jordan Zimmerman Mike Fires. and Daniel Norris. Let's take a look at who isn't with this team anymore. Jordan Zimmerman, Ivan Nova. This is off of the starting rotations for the last three years before 2021. Jordan Zimmerman, Ivan Nova, Daniel Norris, Mike Fires. They're all gone. Matt Moore, Tyson Ross, they're gone. Michael Fulmer's in the bullpen. Matt Boyd and Spencer Turnbull have had season-ending surgeries. Opening day brought rotation this year: Spencer Turnbull, Daniel, uh, sorry, Spencer Turnbull, Matt Boyd, Julio Teran, Casey Mize, sorry, Julio Teran wasn't even on this. Uh, yes, he was. Julio Teran, Casey Mize, and Tarek Skubel. Spencer Turnbull didn't actually make the opening day roster because of COVID, so it was Matt Boyd, Julio Tehran, Casey Mize, Tarek Skubel, and um, I think, I think they were gonna. They started with those four, and then um, oh, Jose Urania, Jose Urania, and then. Spencer Turnbull came up, and um, because well, he his his timing was was impeccable because um, Julio Tehran got hurt in his just before his second start and never came back. He's still rehabbing down in Lakeland. So that's what AJ Hinch had to deal with for a starting rotation. Now let's look at what the 2019 opening day roster had on it. Not just the rotation, but the opening day roster. Your starting catcher for your Detroit Tigers in 2019 was Grayson Greiner. John Hicks was your backup. He was also a first baseman. Miguel Cabrera played first base. Josh Harrison was your opening day starter in 2019 at second. Jordy Mercer was your opening day starter in 2019 at short. Jamer Candelario at third. Kristen Stewart in left. Mikey Matuk in center. Nick Castellanos and right. Last year, Jonathan Scope is at second. Um, I believe they started Nico Goodrum at short last year for the beginning of the season. Jordy Mercer was on the team at that point, but they ended up giving him his uh, outright release just before opening day, now that I think about it. You had Austin Romine behind the plate. You had CJ Cron at first, Jamer Candelario at third, Jonathan Scope at second, Nico Goodrum at short. Jacoby Jones was your starting center fielder. Kristen Stewart was your starting left fielder. And Travis DeMerrit was your starting right fielder. Let's think about who's still there out of all of those players. Miguel Cabrera was your opening day designated hitter in 2020. So out of all those guys, Nico Goodrum, Miguel Cabrera, Jonathan Scope, Jamer Candelario, Kristen Stewart's in the minors, Jacoby Jones is in the minors, Travis Demerit is in Atlanta somewhere, probably playing with uh, winding down his season this year with Gwinnett. Austin Romine is is who knows where. He's not with the Tigers. Your opening day catching tandem this in 2021: Wilson Ramos and Grayson Griner. Wilson Ramos is gone; he's with Cleveland. Grayson Griner's in AAA Toledo. Your final catching tandem on the day on, in Game 162 this year: Dustin Garneau and Eric Haas. Now, Eric Haas made the team, came up to the team last year and, and played pretty well, earned himself a spot on the opening day roster this year. Remember this year, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about, he didn't actually get an opening day spot, but we were talking about whether it was going to be Ramos, Greiner, Haas, or Rogers. Well, Rogers had Tommy John surgery, and Grayson Griner, as I said, is in the minors, and Wilson Ramos is in Cleveland. So Eric Haas must be feeling pretty good about himself, especially considering that he can not only catch, but he plays left field. Harold Castro was on that 2019 team. Willie Castro was on that 2019 team. Last year, your pitching staff had Anthony Castro on it. He's not around anymore. Jose Cisnero, he's on the injured list. Gregory Soto, he's on the injured list for 2021. Michael Fulmer, as I said. You look at the players that A.J. Hinch had and the players that he was replacing, the the high turnover rate. Jacoby Jones started the game, started the year this year as the opening day center fielder. Didn't perform. He's gone. He's in the minors. He cleared waivers. But I don't know that Detroit's going to tender him an offer this year. So let's think about what he had, where things are now. He was off to a 9-24 start in April, and Detroit finished 77-85. That's a pretty decent turnaround. Finished in third place in the division... When everybody picked him to finish last, if not fourth, I picked him to finish fourth. Actually, I think I said they were going to have another last place finish because I figured Kansas City would do better than they did. I figured Minnesota would do better than they did. I thought it was going to be Chicago, Cleveland, Minnesota, Kansas City, Detroit. I was right on the first two. A little bit off on the last three. So I'm not expecting him to win manager of the year, but I'm I'm hoping he gets some, some consideration for it because he did a really good job with what he had. If Gregory Soto doesn't get hurt, if Jose Cisnero doesn't get hurt, if Victor Reyes doesn't get hurt, they probably finish... Mm. 79 and 83 78 and 84 one or two games better than what they have now than what they're at now what they finished the year with this year now let's think about what alavila has to decide this year in the offseason Big questions are, what are Matthew Boyd and Spencer Turnbull going to bring to you next year? Probably nothing on the Spencer Turnbull front. Matthew Boyd says he expects to be ready. He expects to be ready by June. He says he's going to be pitching before June of next year. He had flexor tendon surgery on Monday. He actually texted AJ Hinch after the bench is clear after the Jose Abreu incident because he'd just gotten out of surgery and he saw it. So that's a nine-month process, a six to nine-month process. Miles Michaelis had the same sur- surgery last July, but he had shoulder issues in spring training, so he ended up shutting it down this year for the Cardinals. Now we don't know if that was because of his off-season conditioning program, if it was for, because of his rehab program that he went through uh, to get back to where he was, where he w- wanted to be. Um. We'll see how it goes Matt Boyd says he's going to be ready by June I don't think so But we'll see Um, Spencer Turnbull Like I said He probably won't even pick up a baseball Until March, April He'll do rehab work in Lakeland Um, Might make a couple of rehab starts Late August Early September of next year We'll see but I don't know. Tommy John surgery is such a crap shoot these days. You just never know how long it's going to take a pitcher. Not that not that he sta- can't still pitch effectively after he gets back from Tommy John surgery. He still can. Michael Fulmer is, is proof of that. If you want to look a little bit further, look at Jamison Tyone and for Tyone for the New York Yankees. Look at Jacob DeGrom up until this year for the Mets. Last I checked, he won a Cy Young. I think he's pretty good. Um, the list of of pitchers who have come back and pitched well after Tommy John surgery is long and illustrious. Steven Strasburg did it with the Washington Nationals. So it's not... It's not a it's not a the ending of a career like it used to be. It's not as big of a crapshoot as it used to be. When Tommy John first had the surgery, nobody knew what was gonna happen. Nobody knew how to rehab from it properly. He set the tone. When Billy Koch had the surgery done, not a lot of people were sure how good he was going to be because he was a closer. Kerry Wood had the surgery done. It took him a long time, a lot longer than it does now because they just didn't know back then how how to deal with the rehab situation from that. So... I don't know what that does to his spot on the 40-man roster. I don't know what that does to Matthew Boyd's spot on the 40-man roster. Let's think about who will probably still be here next year on that roster that was there this year. Drew Hutchinson isn't going to be there. He probably won't even get another minor league invite. Jose Urania more than likely won't be there. Joe Jimenez is a question mark. We're not really sure what we got from Joe Jimenez this year. Well, we know what we got from him this year, but we don't know what we're gonna get next year and and let's face it, Alavila and 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 um Ryan Garko and other people need to make make decisions. Oh, Ryan Garko, by the way, new player development director um for the Tigers, former Cleveland Indian, former Stanford Cardinal. Um so he's been named as the as the player development director uh replacing david chad sorry dave littlefield who took a lateral promotion um to become director of scouting or vice president of scouting or something that basically keeps him around collecting a paycheck because he didn't do very well as player development director um you know these guys have a decision to make on joe jimenez They've got a decision to make on, are you look, trying to get a hold of me? No. Mm-hmm. You trying to, you trying to get my attention? No. Okay. They've got a decision to make on um, <clears throat> Willie Castro. They've got a decision to make on Nico Goodrum. They don't need to make a decision on Jonathan Scope or Robbie Grossman because they're signed through next year. Jonathan Scope is signed through 2023. Detroit's in a pretty interesting position because they've got about $49 million on the payroll that they have to spend to pay Miguel Cabrera, Robbie Grossman, and Jonathan Scope. Outside of that, they're really not bound to any big contracts. Jamer Candelario is up for arbitration this year. He's hit 42 doubles and 16 homers. I think he's pretty safe. He'll get tendered an offer. Julio Tehran, like I said earlier, he's not even pitched since April, so he'll probably be gone. Then you've got decisions to make on Joey Wentz and Alex Faito because they are just now coming off of Tommy John surgery. Uh, Wentz last year, Faito this year. So we'll see where that goes. You've got a decision to make. There's there's just a lot of a lot of different moving parts. You got a decision to make on Willie Peralta. You don't have a decision to make on um, Renato Nunez. He's gone. He was given his outright release. So Willie Peralta, Jose Urania, Derek Holland probably won't be back. My guess is, out of those three, Willie Peralta stays. I don't... I just don't, for whatever reason... Something just tells me that, that Nico Goodrum's not going to get an offer this year. They're not going to tender him an offer. You've also got a decision to make on just uh, Dustin Garneau. So... You really have some flexibility in your forty man roster, but in that same respect you don't because there's this thing called the rule five draft, and if a player is not on the forty man when the rule five draft comes around, they're able to be picked if they're four years out of college and five years out of high school. So Spencer Torquels and state safe. Ryan Kreidler, Riley Green, they're safe. Jackson Job this year's number one pick. He's safe. Dylan Dingler's safe. Isaac Pachenko is safe. I don't know about Reese Olson. I don't know when he was drafted. I do know Seattle took Will Vest earlier this year, but then they had to, they ended up offering him back because they couldn't keep him in the majors. You've got other interesting moves to worry about this offseason. What do you do with Akil Badu? He ended up hitting two sixty with 13 homers this year. What do you do with him? Do you send him down to A? Do you keep him up here knowing that Riley Green is knocking at the door? Look, your outfield's pretty crowded. Derek Hill is going to stay in center field. He's going to come back next year, and he's going to stay in center field because he hit well enough, and he plays good enough defense. And he showed it this year that he can hit well enough to stay up here. He'll hit around 240, 250. But for a guy who's a premium defender in center field, you hit him ninth and you take the results. Because he stops the people, he stops other players taking 90 feet. He covers ground and tracks down baseballs and his 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 defensive prowess is is second to none. He's an elite defender in center field. He's an above elite defender in center field. He hits 240 250. That's a bonus. But his defense is worth it. We're hoping we can say the same thing about Jake Rogers in the catching position. But this year is going to be tough because Jake Rogers probably isn't going to come back from Tommy John surgery until at least July or August of next year. And then you don't know what you've got. So at that point, you start to sit there and wonder what's going to happen with the catching position. The one thing Alavila has made quite clear is that they are going to be in the market for a shortstop. Well, it just so happens that Trevor Story's on the market. Carlos Correa's on the market. Um, Javier Baez is on the market. Marcus Simeon is on the market. He he of the one-year deal with the Blue Jays and 44 home runs. So really what we're looking at is do they try to sign a big name? Do they promote Ryan Kreidler from within and leave everybody else out? Or do they trade for somebody? Catcher, I think you have to either sign a quality free agent, a high price free agent, or you have to go out and trade Look at somebody. Look at a team that's got a prospect that's coming up, and go out and trade and get like like Baltimore's got Atley Rutschman. Trade for him. Trade for the catcher that's currently in Baltimore. But what are you going to have to give up for him? Because the Orioles know who the, who they've got in the wings and they know who they've got right now and they know what you have and the, what what you need. I'm not saying that that's going to be a done deal. Okay. Trust me, I don't know that that's going to be a done deal. I don't even know who's going to be out there on the catcher free agent market this year. You look at Atlanta. Atlanta's got a a, a decent catching prospect coming up. New York, you're not going to try to trade for James McCann. That's just too big of a contract. And Francisco Alvarez isn't ready yet. can't really trust what you've got right now because Grayson Greiner is so-so Dylan Dingler hasn't proven himself beyond double A and I mean I suppose you could keep Eric Haas and, and Dustin Garneau and go into next season with, with those two certainly pitchers like throwing to Dustin Garneau and Eric Haas gives you the flexibility of being able to play DH or left field so that is that is something that to think about from the catching standpoint. But everybody's sitting there saying, "Oh, well, they're going to add a prime a uh, 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 they're going to add a big a big name in the outfield." Why? Why? You got Derek Hill. You got Akeel Badu. You got Riley Green, who hit twenty four homers with sixteen stolen bases in a nine twenty one OPS this year. Between double-A and triple-A? Drew 66 walks? Yeah, he struck out 150 times, but he just turned 21 last week. We know he can hit big league pitching. He's shown it in spring training. Oh, it's just spring training. You know what? He hit pretty well in, in, in... in AAA as well and AAA has a lot of major leaguers who are rehabbing or guys who are just waiting to get the call up for the majors because they pitched up there but then they had to come down to the minors for whatever reason so we know he can hit big league pitching So when you got a guy that can hit 20 home runs in a, in a, in 144 game season, sorry, 140 game season, 22 more games, that's five, six more homers. Why doesn't your opening day outfield in 2022 look like Riley Green and left, Derek Hill in center, Robbie Grossman in right with Akil Badu coming off the bench or Victor Reyes coming off the bench? For that matter, why don't you trade Robbie Grossman? His contract is one year, $5 million. It's a low price contract. Trade him for a prospect. And then you can bring Akil Badu in and right or Victor Reyes in right with Green in left and Hill in center. Spencer Torkelson. 238 in AAA. Walked 23 times. Only hit 11 home runs. But that was in August and September. Had 20 extra base hits out of his 30 hits, an OPS of 881. Overall, he hit 266 with 30 home runs, 20 doubles. 20 plus doubles. I think it was 24 doubles. No, sorry. It was 29. 30 homers, 29 doubles, and an OPS of 924. That's between Class A Advanced West Michigan, which is a tough park to hit in. Double A Erie, which is a lot easier park to hit in. Triple A Toledo. And oh, by the way, he didn't hit his first home run until May 22nd. He ends up finishing with 30 home runs in less than three-quarters of a baseball season. So which, where's the big-name bat? What do you need a big-name bat for? Do you sign Carlos Correa? He's supposed to be either ru- rumored to go into either the Rangers, the Tigers, the Yankees, or another team team minnesota was in the rumor mill i don't see him going to minnesota minnesota has andrelton simmons and granted he's not he's not he's a very weak hitting shortstop but his defense is second to none What Andrelton Simmons is to Minnesota at shortstop is what Derek Hill is to Detroit in center field. I don't see Correa coming to the Tigers. I don't see the Tigers signing Correa or Baez or Story. I really don't. I think Marcus Simeon stays in Toronto. Although Bo Bichette's playing shortstop, so he may decide that he wants to stay in, that he wants to go and go and play shortstop somewhere, but I, I do think he stays in Toronto and plays second base. He's clearly comfortable there. Forty-four homers later. Like I said, the pitching standpoint. I, uh, Derek Holland doesn't come back. Jose Urania doesn't come back. I don't know about Joe Jimenez. I just don't. I don't know what Detroit sees. Whether Detroit sees anything in him, I don't think Nico Goodrum comes back. He hit lower than he hit less than two twenty this year. And Harold Castro is just as is a better player. He's better defensively. He's better offensively. The only difference between Nico Goodrum and Harold Castro, there's two. Harold Castro can pitch. He's done it a couple times. I think he actually has the lowest ERA on the Tigers pitching staff. It's like 0.00 or something like that. Um, Harold Castro can pitch, and Harold, ha- Harold Castro is strictly left-handed, and he doesn't have a lot of power. Nico Goodrum did finish with ten homers. But I just don't see enough in his game. His defense has suffered since he moved to shortstop specifically and stopped playing a, a super utility role. And his offense is just his his when he's when he's at the plate you just cringe. Because he's just not gotten it together and this is his fourth year in the league. He still hasn't managed to figure it out. He was injured a lot this year, but that's a that's that's going to go against him if when he comes if if he decides to go to arbitration with Detroit, if Detroit doesn't uh, if Detroit says well we'll 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 will tender you an offer and he says no I don't want that offer. This is what I want and then Detroit says well we're going to go to arbitration about it. He's going to lose. I don't see him doing that. I just don't see I don't see Detroit tendering him an offer. I see him just going somewhere else. And good luck to him if he does. So you can bring Spencer Torkelson up and have him play at first base and you've still got Miguel Cabrera and Jonathan Scope as backups if he doesn't if he doesn't play well. Not sure if Miguel Cabrera gets his 3,000th hit at home. He's, I think, 11 shy. Detroit's got four in Seattle and three in, uh, no, three. Detroit's first seven games are on the road against Oakland and Seattle. They open in Seattle on April 1st. So, we'll see where it goes. But, uh. I don't see I don't see him getting his 3000th career hit in Seattle or in Oakland. It would be nice to see him get one of those milestones at home. He did not get to 600 doubles this year. He'll get there next year. He's like 3 away. So it'll be okay for that'll be fine. So there's a bunch of big questions surrounding the Tigers Coming up this offseason, and we won't know the answers until after November 1st. And I say that because the World Series isn't supposed to start until October 26th. Because baseball, in its infinite wisdom, has the wild card round starting on Tuesday. The World Series starts on the 26th of October. If it goes seven games, it will end on November 2nd. just brilliant just absolutely brilliant i want to thank anchor for distributing the podcast we're on spotify google podcast apple podcasts and other podcast aggregators if you want to get in touch with the show you can tigers baseball podcast at gmail.com it's the world's longest email address i'm proud of that or at podcast tigers on twitter um Next year, take a look, because next season we may be on YouTube as well with the podcast. So like, subscribe, rate, and review. I always appreciate it. We will come back, not sure when, but we will come back whenever there's breaking news with the Tigers. We'll come back and talk about it and have podcasts for you then that will be season two this is the end of season one episode 50 i really appreciate all you guys for subscribing and listening this was going to be an everyday podcast i decided to make it an every week podcast and i feel like i've actually done myself justice by doing that and my wife really appreciates it too so thanks everybody for listening until something else happens I'm Chris Schulte. Thanks for listening. Go Tigers.